film fans. Carl, it's the last week of February, so how are you doing as we march to spring? I have to do this on my phone, so I'm doing horribly because uh, everyone has computer problems and they say, just turn it off and turn it back on. But if it doesn't turn back on, then you have a problem. So luckily you have a microphone and I have a studio where I can be quiet. Well, that's the way we roll. <laughs> we just roll with the punches. I'm Lynn Van House and that's my partner in crime, Carl Middleman. Hi there, everybody. Lynn and I will talk with our friend Ron Stevens about Keep Live Alive. And then around minute five, we'll talk Cherry. Around minute 15, the United States versus Billie Holiday. Around minute 24, Tom and Jerry on HBO Max. On minute 36, The Independence. Around minute 41, the Billie Eilish documentary. Around minute 53, Silk Road. And then at the end of the show, we'll talk about the award season and upcoming trivia. Hi, and I'm the mother of a 33-year-old this weekend. So my, Congratulations. Yeah, my youngest son, Charlie, is technically a leap day baby. I mean, he is a leap day baby. So we always say technically he turns 33 February 28th, but, you know, who knows? Right. In the scheme of things, he's only eight. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, we have some uh, some fun local news to share. Carl and I took part in a very worthy cause called Keep Live Alive St. Louis. And our friend Ron Stevens, the man, the myth, the legend, has helped organize this 90-minute entertainment special that has a lot of TV and radio personalities and rock stars and goes to the venues of St. Louis that are dark right now, are not having anything happen. And MCs are our good friends, Laurie Mack and Alan Knoll. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and I, I take that. part as uh, talking about regional professional theater. And I, I make a cameo appearance. So we're looking forward to it. It is on... Friday, March 12th, they are currently accepting donations because the proceeds are going to be divided among displaced workers, not necessarily the artists, but all those behind the scenes people you see. And, and so it's really a great cause. They have a Facebook page. They have a website. They have a trailer. The trailer, uh, Kevin Cronin and Sammy Hagar are uh, part of the storytelling. It's not necessarily a concert, even though like Kevin Cronin plays a song, they just reminisce and they talk right. about uh, uh, their lives as a performer. And then Mark Close is on the drums <laughs> during the trailer. So, oh, Mark Close. <laughs> So I was at the Lincoln Theater with Mark Close when we were filming this. So they filmed at all these venues, Riverport, the Fox, the Muni, anywhere uh, that St. Louisans go for entertainment. Because it's been a tough year. It's going to be a year, Carl, that we were shut down. Wow. That's a long time. I know. And as you and I know, we both go to theater and we also go to movie screenings. And the last movie screening... I was at was onward 
and you <laughs> sorry saw, about that. Yeah, well, yeah, and you saw movies after that. I saw Tenet in the drive-through. Well, I mean, I did see Tenet, but I'm talking about last March. We were oh, shut last down. March. Yeah, the last remember movie I saw was The Hunt. We were supposed to go to Quiet Place Two, that mm-hmm. got dropped. The, it's gonna that's gonna now be on Paramount Plus. Yeah, which is the old CBS all, all access. access. They just rebranded it. Yep. So and, very and they, yeah. I don't know Super Bowl commercials. Yeah, I don't know how many more of these streaming things I can I can add. <laughs> There's a lot to pay attention to. Well, let's get to the um, new releases of the week. Right. Let's start with the movie you hate, 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 hate. It's called <laughs> Cherry. It's on Apple Plus. Well, you know, it's, okay. Let me let me say some nice things about it before you crap on it totally. Okay, it, it's based on a true story, and it's based on a book, and it's based on the the story of how this book and this movie were made is very fascinating. It's fascinating how this guy made this in prison. He had to use a typewriter, and as soon as people knew that he was writing this book. They bought, got his story and the Russo brothers who did Captain America and Endgame and Infinity War and have been doing all these superhero movies. They are telling the true story of Nico Walker, except they don't call him Nico Walker in the movie. They call him Cherry because of something that happened while he was in Iraq. He is a veteran and he had issues and he had a drug problem and he robbed banks (laughs) and he he went to jail that is the true story that's not a spoiler because they show all of that in in the trailers and so um that those are the good things about the movie and it stars tom holland who has worked with the russo brothers you know in uh the marvel cinematic universe so what would you like to say differently than the a matter of fact things that I said about the film, Lynn. Okay, well, I did not read this 2018 book that was much heralded. Uh, I am a big fan of Tom Holland. I just love him as Spider-Man. And when he, uh, he and Tony Stark have such a great relationship, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, being do. the actor. And when he's, when he's like, Mr. Stark, I just love that because they have that mentor-mentee relationship and he was very good as a child actor in the impossible which was the tsunami movie with naomi watts and ewan mcgregor right and so i i really look forward to seeing his career and he was probably the best thing about that lost city of z and some other british movie he is british yeah and so i thought oh good it's rare to hear in fact the only time you ever hear is British voices when he's doing interviews and what they did this week when they teased the new Spider-Man never coming home. They use his real voice in that teaser trailer. Aha. Uh-huh. I didn't, I didn't watch. And the Russo brothers, I'm a big fan of Endgame and infinity wars. And so I applaud their ambition to try to do something else. I just think this was not the material to go with. I found this, 
to be two hours and 20 minutes of a very uninteresting person and his troubles. And believe me, I understand post-traumatic stress syndrome and drug abuse. And his wife is played by Sierra Bravo. And this is pretty much <laughs> a breakout for her. But well, no, these- she's done, she's done stuff. She has, she was on big time. Like she was a Nickelodeon star. Right. And she right. had a show I- on TV and you know, she's, she's done things except she she's in her 20s she's 23 years old and she looks like she's eight years old she is very young looking and he's 25 well this takes place in cleveland and in the 90s in the 90s and therefore they these people are just like lose i mean they're just aimless and drifting and they they their story i mean we have seen this before uh, how many heroin movies uh, have we seen where people uh, half the movie is this dope life, which just gets so tedious and tiresome. And how many times can you watch people vomit as they go through the shakes and the <laughs> things? I mean, yes. I, I'm just like, do we have to keep seeing this? I found because it's divided into chapters like a book because it, it was a book. I find the war part to be the most intriguing and fascinating and heartbreaking. Well, I, I like, I like the fact they do have some interesting things. They don't like a lot of people like Cherry. That's his name. We don't really find out his real name. No, never. Uh, and, and then like uh, some of the people in the army are like Sergeant, whoever uh, Thomas Lennon has a free, uh, has a, we don't you don't know if he's a priest or a doctor so in the credits they call him father whomever or doctor whomever so like these people mean a lot to him but he never knows their names the only people that they're uh jack rayner his name is pills and coke (laughs) and i like that guy but he's terrible in this because of the character he plays these characters are not the the druggy people are bad and his life his early friends like michael gandolfini plays yes a loser guy and everybody says that he looks so much like his dad. He doesn't look like his dad at all in this. No, no, not at all. And Jack Wahlberg is Mark and Donnie's nephew. And uh-huh. he's very good as Jimenez. And uh, Damon Wayans Jr.'s in it. And there are a lot of like famous people that wanted to work with the Russos. And there are some people that are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that make little uh, uh, cameos in it. And so, yeah. It's just uh, well, it was it's a written. Big it, swing. Yeah, it's it's very big project for. I mean, they want this epic. They wanted this to be this epic story, and I don't find any part of it epic. And the sister, their sister, wrote the screenplay along with Jessica Goldberg, okay. and I think we could have had better editing. We they we have all these stylized it's two and shots. And a half hours. Yeah, I mean seriously, and. There is a lot of yelling in this movie. People are screaming at each other a lot. Yes. Uh, I, I Did I say the new Spider-Man movie is called No Way Home? I think I said Never Coming Home, but it's No Way Home. Sorry about that. It, hey, I guarantee you all know it in a couple months when it comes out. Right. So I don't know. I do find that his performance is very good. He has to do all the heavy lifting 
and he comes through very emotional, very roller coaster. I think he proves that he can do things other than Peter Parker. Oh, well, she's good, too. Sierra Bravo's good, too. She starts off as this sweet little thing, and then she's a sexy sultrist. And then she, you, I believe she actually transforms. She actually has a character arc in the movie because she uh, goes from nice to sweet to ruined right after. And the per- woman that plays her mom's like, leave, get my daughter out of this world. And uh, I it's heartbreaking for her. He did it to himself, but he dragged her along with her. Oh, I know. And it's to me, it's like all those scenes in their house, they're dark and dreary because they get the curtains pulled all the time and, and the, and the shooting up and the, because they're uh, doing drugs. I know it just seems so airless. So, but they do have a, they do have a happy ending. I don't really. Well, no, it's an ending. It's, It's not necessarily a happy ending. Yeah, well, because it's left, it's left ambiguous because he, he's out of prison and she's re- waiting for him. You don't, you know, as as you know, and uh, having and we all know people relapse. And as of right now, they're doing fine. Yeah, well, he was not a consultant on the movie or did not take part. It was an error that they said he was part of the movie. They now he sold the rights to the the film and he got out early and so they started making the yeah, movie they, they, the reason he wasn't involved is that they couldn't meet with him because he was in prison right but so he doesn't really have part of this movie but the russo brothers grew up in that area okay so maybe they were drawn to it because of that the book got a lot of cred about the millennials and drug abuse and all that, like, cause that was at the, the height of the opioid crisis, which still goes on today. 220 people a day in this country are over, uh, overdose. And we do have a very serious problem during the pandemic. So I, I understand this at all. And I think it's a good idea to keep showing this, but I just find the movie lacking in a lot of places. All right. I, and I agree with you for the most part, it's, um, it's too long and it's, uh, (laughs) it, it drags in a lot of the places that, you know, it's too long. It's repetitive. That's what it is. It's repetitive. I mean, how many times do we, you know, have to keep seeing the same kind of different things over and over? They blow up stuff really good in the war scene. I give, <laughs> I give the Russo credit, uh, Russo's credit for their action chops. They know how to stage action, which is good. Now, talking about other people that relapse with heroin, our next movie is the United States versus Billy Holiday. And this is as dark and dreary and depressing about one of the great talents of the 20th century. And it is uh, marked by a fabulous incandescent performance by Andrew Day as Billy Holiday. But the rest of the movie is total <laughs> mess. Did you see it, Carl? I, I did not get to see it, no. Well, Lee Daniels, who did Precious in The Butler, he uh, 
has decided to throw all this stuff into this real case. First of all, this is where they concentrate because Lady Sings the Blues was a highly fictionalized version of Billie Holiday's life, played by yeah. Diana, and she was played by Diana Ross. Right. 1972, she's nominated for an Oscar. Uh, her son, by the way, Evan Ross, is in this as a federal agent. How about that? That's funny. Okay, so this takes place uh, in the last 10 years of Billy's life, and she's uh, worn down by drugs, drink, abusive men. She had these terrible relationships with these, lo- with these horrible guys. And then her song, Strange Fruit, which I didn't realize the history of that till I watched the documentary on the Apollo theater last year. And it was fascinating. This strange fruit time magazine named it the song of the century in 1999. Wow. It is about a lynching. And this is the third movie this year about the government interfering with black people that they don't like and are afraid of. Well, the government tried to stop her from doing it. Right. So uh, Anslinger is this head of the Bureau of Narcotics, which is through the Treasury Department. And he is played by Garrett Hudland, pretty much acting like snidely whiplash. I mean, seriously, this, this, these parts, these cartoon characters, this guy is like uh, obsessed with, uh, he hates black people. He hates jazz. He really hates Billie Holiday because his wife likes her and the song Strange Fruit, he thinks is going to incite riots. And they know she's in 1939 when we're on the brink of war. Right. And so we're on um, uh, this. he, He makes it a lifelong mission. It's like that guy in the hurricane, the cop that was obsessed with getting Reuben Carter caught and uh so he plays him there's this one scene where these these feds and billy's managers they're all giving each other looks it's so melodramatic it's like a soap opera and that just does the material a disservice so when she's on the stage it's just fantastic when she's singing it's fantastic she looks like a million damn dollars with the hair and makeup in this movie is incredible they allude to affairs with women including Tallulah Bankhead and Natasha Leone plays Tallulah Bankhead who also had, had a big affair with the Joe Kennedy so I don't know this is so they anyway they allude to it was an equal opportunity lover Right. So she doesn't um, they don't really go anywhere with the Natasha Leone and it's 10 years. So they start with 1957 with this interview and then they go into the feds trying to nail her, including senators, Joseph McCarthy and that sly slime uh, Roy Cohn. So they have all these characters, but they just, the narrative is just messy. It spans all these years. She has terrible, abusive lovers, managers. You don't know what's going on. Uh, She is really screwed out of getting paid a lot. And uh, she, her voice, because she smokes the whole time in the movie. (laughs) So her her voice is going. And then we have close-up shots of heroin addicts putting the needle in 
blood coming out or just veins popping or whatever. It's just the narrative of this could have been so much tighter and better. And it's written by playwright Suzanne Laurie Parks, who wrote this incredible play called Top Dog Underdog. Yeah. Uh, She won the Pulitzer Prize for that. Yeah, which is it's a great play. And I saw it at the St. Louis Actors Studio with Reginald Pierre and Chauncey Thomas. And, and Chauncey Thomas was just unbelievable. So anyway, that was my digression there. But uh, I'm just really sad that that uh, that is such a mess because the cast, um, the supporting cast, Travante. Oh, I even forgot the federal agent. OK, so Travante Rhodes plays this black federal agent that is supposed to infiltrate Billie Holiday's inner circle and get the goods on her because they do arrest her several times on drugs and she does go to prison for a year. And she was doing the drugs. (laughs) Right. And I mean, and they have, oh, just so this movie's two hours and 10 minutes. And, and, and Trevante Rhodes, if you don't remember that name, he was the third incarnate of the moonlight movie the boys there okay. was the young boy the high school boy and the grown-up boy and he was the grown-up boy in moonlight he there his he, character he was, was the black. adult right he wasn't chiron the middle one chiron he was uh called black in the credits i looked it up so billy is very tough and it shows how tough she is but she's so troubled and obviously impaired by the drugs. But she uh, keeps singing the song, knowing that that uh, it's her, you know, hurting her. And her helper is Joy Divine. Divine Joy Rand- Randolph. Right. Who was so good in. The Woody Allen, uh, Woody Allen movie, the Eddie Murphy movie last year. Oh, Dolomite. Right. Oh, yeah, I know who she is. Uh, she was nominated for a Tony Award for Ghost. Ah, okay. So, yeah, she was. She was. She was on High High Fidelity, also the reboot version of that of the Nick Hornby novel. Oh, okay. So Divine Joy Randolph. She's good. She is very good. I enjoy her. So they took uh, fictional liberties, of course, with this film. It is on Hulu. Hulu bought it from Paramount in um, December. And it wants to be nominated for Oscars, I'm guessing. Oh, yes. Well, Andrew Day is already nominated for a Golden Globe this Sunday and also the Critics' Choice Association, of which I belong. And I did, I did uh, uh, nominate her. Good. Yeah, I still voted for, um, I haven't voted yet. <laughs> you nominated for her, but you're not gonna vote for her. No, cause I'm voting for Carrie Mulligan. Oh, as you should. But that the ballot is due this Friday. So I got some time. But anyway, I was very anxious to see it because uh, of all the clips I saw, Andrew Day just slays it and I uh, and she is not an actress. This is her first starring role. She like Diana Ross. She is just a a singer, not just a singer, but she's a singer. 
Uh, her song Tigress and Wheat is one of the nominations this Sunday for best song. And I think they're shooting for that too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's let's take it to something totally different. <laughs> let's talk about Tom and Jerry. You and I talked about this movie a couple months ago, and we were wondering what the hell is why, why? I mean, they started like working on this movie six years ago, and then they started again three years ago, and it's finally coming out. It's they started on. filming in twenty nineteen. It is in local theaters and it is on HBO Max until the end of March. Yes. So you can see it on HBO Max. Uh, let's start with something positive. Technically, it is a masterpiece. It is everything that, you know how when Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out, the mix between live action and animation and how they went hand in hand, this is that in the 21st century, their production and their special effects are fantastic. They, they make it work and they make it real. And I'm gonna give them credit and say that it was really well done technically. Yes, I agree and with I that. And I love Tom and Jerry. I loved, I've loved Tom and Jerry since I was a little kid. I didn't realize that some of it was racist and the, the, the maid at the house and her house slippers, the black maid. And sometimes it was the white old lady. And it, it, I didn't, that all went over my head. I learned about it more when I was adult, but as a kid, I loved the classic Tom and Jerry cartoons. Well, loved the, an, the animation in this is brilliant and it's vibrant and the characters it's, for kids, the slapstick, they're just going to really enjoy it. It's set in New York City. I grew up with William Hanna and Joseph Barbera's cartoons because we had Huckleberry Hound. We had Flintstones, Johnny Quest. My family would race to the television when it's it. And all my uh, we just loved probably Johnny Quest the most. But Tom and Jerry was just a part of that whole atmosphere. And so you grew up with Tom and Jerry. There were the shorts, 1940, and they won Oscars for animated shorts. Yeah, they and, beat Disney some years. And they, what uh, one thing to the filmmakers here, they use William Hanna, even though both Hanna and Barbara have died. They and used, they use Mel Blanc, and they use June Foray too. They use all of the original voices of Tom and Jerry via archive stuff. Right, and we have the cat, Toots. And we have the bulldog and we have uh, all sorts of things. The problem with this movie. Oh, you also have Droopy as a cameo too. Yeah. That's a good cameo. It is. So they're, it's lovingly, uh, you know, towards the, the real animated uh, Well, they're not real, but the animated, right. the animated the icons. How about that? Right. The animated icons. They're very reverent towards them. The problem is this story with the humans. The humans screw it up bad because the story is the most unimaginative. And I keep saying mess today, but it's a mess. And Chloe Grace Moritz is one of my favorite young actresses. 
I first discovered her in 500 Days of Summer as Joseph Gordon-Levitt's sister. And then mm-hmm. she went on to She's great ass. in that. Yeah. She, and then she, she went had on. had a great child actress uh, cycle. When she, was, when she was a child actress, she had nothing but good choices. Once she became an adult, that's when I think, that's when I think her career went weirdly. She needs a different agent because her past couple of movies have been terrible and no fault of hers. But I mean, I know she's in Suspiria, which is a is, you know, a, now a cult classic. But well, and we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the, a director of that made her uh, If I Stay. Uh, that starred Chloe Grace Moretz. And we'll talk her director for that movie. We're going to talk about a movie next that he directed. Right. So I've always stuck with her, even though she's been in terrible material. Uh, and this one, she is so miscast. She plays. Oh, uh, you know, I don't think that's her fault. I think she could have done fine. I think she's OK in this. I mean, miscast Michael Pena. Oh, oh, talk about miscast. So uh, first of all, OK, so Chloe Grace Moritz gets fired by the the real director of the film plays this character where because Tom and Jerry, she's riding a bike and uh, delivering stuff and Tom and Jerry uh, knock her over. And that's how she meets them. And she gets to this hotel, steals a resume, gets a job as a wedding planner at this she she hotel and the Royal gate and Michael Pena is a staff member. Who's very jealous of her. And he is always so good in everything. And I'm so disappointed that he was saddled with such a horrible character. Cause even and in he's Ant-Man, a good comedic actor, even in Ant-Man, he's so good. And, and this one is just waste of his talents. And Rob Delaney plays the hotel manager and he's pretty much to me they're all wasted in these horrible parts so they're planning this wedding and in walks colin jost which is funny because he announced that he was getting married to scarlett johansson and then went off to do this she flew off to do black widow they both this movie's shot mostly of the interiors were shot in london even though new york is a huge part of this movie the interiors were shot in london so He's he's in London after just announcing he's getting married to Scarlett Johansson and she's in Europe shooting Black Widow. So they first they announced they're getting married and then they went and shot this this movie. Well, I think Colin has picked Elaine in SNL and trying to branch out into acting is not really going to happen. Well, he's playing himself. Yeah, he's playing Ben. He's like this unsufferable, insufferable yuppie type person. Man-child. And then he is engaged to a woman and the wedding goes horribly awry as Tom and Jerry wreak havoc in this hotel because of their antagonistic relationship. Uh, that, but see, that's the thing about Tom and Jerry cartoons. They're good in seven minute bursts but th- these are not an interrelated, you know, you could have seven, seven minute cartoons and have 50 minutes of material. You don't have that here. You, you have an entire story. And what I did like about the story choices that they made, every single animal is animated. So it's not like just Tom and Jerry are animated. Like the cats are animated. 
the birds are animated, the elephants are animated. Every animal in this version of our world is an animated character. So them being animated is not like a big deal. So that, that was a good choice that I thought that they made. Yeah, the kids are really going to like this movie. And it's got peppy music, modern music. And... Now, okay, now, that, now, hold on a second. If there, some of the musical choice for a kid's movie, is this movie for kids or is this for nostalgic adults? Because the music choices make me say it's for nostalgic adults, even though the music is modern. Some of the, like, oh, hey, I think I'll go check out another Maybach Rick Ross song. And if you're like a 10 year old kid and you turn that on, maybe Rick Ross is not the best person for your <laughs> three teens to be listening to. And I love Rick Ross, but I'm just saying, even Rick Ross would say, well, here's a song that my kids can listen to, but maybe not the rest of my stuff. So it's kind of weird, but I'm guessing the nostalgic people would be people above the age of, let's say 45, and they're not gonna care for uh, the young hip hop music anyway. You're right. And I'm You're being right. ageist, I'm being ageist there because people can like music of any genre at any time of their lives. But this movie, it's, it's coming with a shotgun approach. It's not focused on any one thing. It's trying to hit all four quadrants as the kids say, or as people in the business say. Well, it is an exercise in nostalgia for those that want it to be. I have issues with the director, Tim Story. He, he's also the he's also the bird at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. He um has done fine work. We've enjoyed his comedies. He did Barbershop, the original. He yeah. did Think Like a Man. And what was his last one that he did? Now, well, he, he also did Taxi, which I, I, I have a little sidebar story here. My daughter has come up with a list of movies that she wants to see. She's 17 years old. And she's like, I want to see this movie. I want to see this. And on the move, one of the movies was Taxi. And I said, I, I don't think you mean Taxi. She's like, no, that's the movie that you said that they were parroting the other day. I'm like, no, no, they were parroting Taxi Driver, not Taxi with Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah. So, or the no. wonderful TV show on the right, the, but yeah. she, no, she wanted to watch the movie Taxi. I'm like, no, you want to see Taxi Driver, and you know, and uh, Tim Story also did the two not terrible Fantastic Four movies from the early 2000s. Not, not the reboots they tried to do, okay, but that's it. I knew he did something else. And, and he, so, also, he, he, did, he did the ride along series too. That's right. Because I got to interview Ice Cube and Kevin Hart during ride along two and ride along three has been announced. And he also, he also did the, uh, the multi-generational shaft. <laughs> that's right. Yes. From that was 2019. So yeah. I think this, I'm not sure if this was the right material for him. Uh, I, I don't, I wanted to, I am giving it some forgiveness for their technical aspects of what they did. It's just that uh, it just, it didn't sit right with me and I don't think I would ever watch it again. And, and I, I don't know. It's just, I wanted it to be really good and it disappointed me. So, but I don't think, it disappointed me enough that it would be in my uh, most disappointing of the year, but because the year is still young. Yeah, it is. And I can see why they didn't screen it for us. Yeah. 
And yeah, it's on HBO Max for the next 30 days. Watch it for free. If you're interested in it, watch it. If you have HBO Max, uh, don't go out and see it. If you if you're going to risk your life, go out going out to a theater. Don't risk it for Tom and Jerry. (laughs) Well, that's you know what? There's another movie out last night uh, that's out now. It's called The Independence. And did you watch that, Lynn? I still have to see it. Uh, it's it's based on a true story of a band called um, uh, Dang it, As something remains. Sweet remains. The sweet remains. Yes, I, I had it written down here, but since I'm not using my computer, I can't you know see what I wrote Access down. Well, yeah. I love the whole premise because it's James Naughton's son, and I'm a big fan of his uh, from his stage work. And it's yeah, Greg Gregory Naughton. He wrote yeah, Greg, Greg and he's part, he's part of the band and he is married to the Broadway legend Kelly O'Hara who plays his wife in the movie. So there's all these Broadway people in it which and, is and fun. Well it's it's uh Rich Rich Price, Brian Chartrand and Greg Naughton. Greg Naughton so he's the nephew of David Naughton from you know making it yeah uh and also be a pepper and and and, and, uh, american American werewolf in london yeah but i remember him as a kid as making it he had a top 10 song singing the theme song for making it i still love that song but yes uh, i was too young to watch american werewolf in london when it actually came out i had to see it later as an adult but it's rich greg and brian and they meet they're each they're all ready to give up on music and give up on their careers because they're all solo acts and they meet together under the weirdest of circumstances. It's, it's not 100% autobiographical um, because it, uh, one of the guys, Brian is homeless and they give him a ride and that's not how anything happened with, with their band. But it, uh, it's it's very very indie and they i saw a q a with them and they said hey what about putting out a soundtrack and he's like well these are all of our own songs and uh, they're out in other words if we put out this uh, we put out a soundtrack that means we'd be putting out a greatest hits album because they've these are all of their own songs the sweet remains and that's this it's kind of how the songs were created and how they have a, they meet Richard Kind in a, uh, in a dive bar. And he says, come out to LA, we'll get you on a showcase. And the showcase is like 6 PM and they're opening up like there, there's like 10 bands in the showcase and they're at six o'clock in the evening. And the bar owner is George Went, And it's just like, Oh, you guys have really good three-piece harmonies because they each play guitar, even though um, Greg sometimes plays the piano or keyboards. And they're driving around in this van that uh, the local kids in New York have been uh, breaking into and smoking weed in it. And it's all graffitied up. And so the band, since it's it's Rich, Greg, and Brian, they call themselves RGB. Oh, like, uh, okay, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg kind of. No, 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 that's RBG. RGB okay. is a plug on, uh, on your television because red, green, and blue make all the colors that are in your, on your television. And 
Oh. It's like the spectrum of sound. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I always like to see people follow their dreams and, and artsy people and music. So this uh, I'm looking forward to it. I wanted to watch it all week. I just had a very busy work week. And they're still together. And uh, uh, his all the Nottons. Well, no, I, I don't know if Dave, uh, David makes an appearance, but his father makes an appearance in it as as a police officer. And it's really funny. It'd be better if Greg was yelling at him, but Brian is yelling at him. And it's a very, uh, very funny and libertarian scene. It's, it's, you can't stop me, cop. I've got my rights. And it's, once you know that it's his father, it's funny. Well, I think the whole um, family's in it, actually, because I looked at the credits. There's a lot of nuttons. But if if you're not familiar with James. He wrote and directed it. Right. If you're not familiar with James Naughton, he won a Tony for City of Angels. He has been uh, a, a long he's been a staple of New York theater for many years. And if you are as old as I am and remember the movie The Paper Chase, he yeah. was one of the lawyers. Ah, yeah. So not, he's not John Houseman. No, no. But he's been around a lot. So I look forward to it. And I'm glad that we have the opportunity to see it. And uh, it's, it's, a cute, it's a cute little movie. It's a video on demand. Right. All right. So now let's go on. We were talking about Chloe Grace Moretz and we we're talking about the choices she's made in an adult. And I remember when I was on with Max on movies, I gave away the ending to if she stay or if I stay or whatever, it was awful. And I get, I said, here, I, I gave people spoiler alert. I said, gave them 10 seconds. I said, I'm going to tell you if she stays or not, because I don't want you to go see this movie. If the only reason you're going to see this movie is to find out if she stays, I'm going to tell you. And so it's directed by RJ Cutler. And he is a great documentary filmmaker. He makes really good documentaries. He directed if I stay. Yes, he did. That was his one lone, uh, narrative film well it was a uh it was a young adult novel right so it's based on that and it was a girl that uh was going to go to juilliard Mm -hmm. but she was in a romance and then there's a tragic car accident involved in a coma and that's all i remember but i remember it was set in portland and they had uh, chunky knit sweaters and it was very portlandy and uh yeah so uh, R.J. Cutler directed that, but he's most famous. I mean, he's got Emmys. He's been nominated for Oscars. He's got uh, Peabody Awards. His big thing are documentaries like The War Room, uh, The Perfect Candidate, The September Issue, and American High on Fox, and The Oval Office Tapes. And he started that show Nashville that was on ABC and TNT oh, for yeah. a long time. Uh, Connie Britton. Yes. And uh-huh. and uh, the the girl from Heroes. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. The the cheerleader. Oh yeah, gosh. save the cheerleader, shape the world. Uh, it was uh, Hayden Panettiere. That's right. I knew she had a boy's name or a last name as a first name. So he just did the Belushi documentary, which we both were so impressed by. Yes, he did that. But for the last three years, he's been working on this thing this girl is well documented that her she's led in cameras to every part of her life the movie's called billy eilish 
The World's a Little Blurry, which is from a title of one of her, uh, the title's from one of her songs. In fact, it's the same song that gave the title of her album. She really must like that song. <laughs> yeah, well, she is an interesting person. To Il, Il, Il Mio is the name of the song that gives the title of this and the title of her album. Sorry to interrupt, Lynn, but okay, just, that's okay. Well, it's just yeah. Billy Eilish fans are like screaming at the screen, going, "Hey, it's Il Mio!" And there's a lot of fans. I, I, I like, uh, yeah, I like the deep dive into her stage life and her personal life and just how she got to be because when she was on the Grammy stage winning all those Grammys last year, uh, she obviously had a long backstory because of her brother, Phineas, who is a musical genius. He's, and, he's, he's the brains, but this movie's not about Phineas. This movie no. is about her. And he, you know now has a, he now has a solo career too. Uh, yes, but he's, he's, you can tell he loves his little sister and you can very, tell yeah they're yeah. very close and he does not mind uh relinquishing the spotlight so she can be one of the world's biggest stars no and she's got a lot of energy that girl yeah and, so much energy so much energy she breaks her shins all the time jumping around i know and her fans i was so shocked well you can tell this was before pandemic because she's hugging people all the right. time and yeah, but she was also wearing masks before she had to. She, you see her wearing a mask at once. It's a fashion statement. Once is she's on a plane or a tour bus or something like that. And it's because, you know, she's trying to stay germ free. So she was wearing masks before we had to. So it shows she didn't have a car for the longest time. And it's so funny because her family. Yeah, because she was she wasn't old enough. Right. Her family, you know, she was talking about the cars that they have. She's like, well, Phineas has a Honda Fit and my dad has a van and my right. mom is. And so she wants a cool car. She wants a matte black Dodge Challenger. And she says that at the beginning of the movie. And then on her 17th birthday, she gets it. And I, this is not being spoilery because she's put everything out there already. She's got, what, 17 million people on Instagram and her fans know everything about her already so for a lot of people this movie will be uh not necessarily necessarily a revelation but you did find out that uh she did have problems as a 12 year old 12 13 14 year old and you found out that she had a boyfriend for the longest time that nobody knew about i know it's very secretive and then she starts talking about it and then she had a mad crush on justin bieber and then she got well, to meet him people know that but uh, he he actually gives her very good advice. And, and the fact that her parents grew up and are part of they're they're not like super famous, but they're part of the biz and say they know what to do about it. But her mom directed her first video. Her mom's been an actress, Maggie Beard, for a long time. And the, her whole family, it, it's a showbiz family. So they know. You know, a lot of these people are framing this along the Britney Spears uh, documentary. But it's not really. Because no, no. But I'm saying I'm saying as, as a difference, like these these people knew how to shield her. Oh, the like the opposite. OK, I get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the fact that the fact that the Spears coming out of Louisiana did not know what to do. They grew up in Los Angeles. They were homeschooled. They knew 
they knew how the world would work for these kids. Yeah, well, they're a very grounded family. I like that. I like that about them, that they they have like a normal house and they're just very grounded. And the kids uh, have been close. It shows uh, old footage of them being youngsters and being musically gifted. And music's been a part of their lives since they were toddlers. Yeah, her mom taught her how her mom uh, was a groundling. And so she she was Melissa McCarthy's improv coach. So when she was with the groundlings, she, uh, she, she knows, she knows the world of entertainment and she was on like on soap operas for a while too. So she's lived on both coasts and done all these things. And it's really interesting to see everything. I say to my wife that we won't, we can't forget anything that my daughter's done because she's so well-documented this Girl, Billie Eilish, she is really documented. She is all about, there's video everywhere. There's very little, unless it's unless it's all an act, there's very little that she does not have on video. You know, and her fans eat it up. All these girls just idolize her so much and they n- know the the words to the all these songs. Like this is pre her big breakout too. It is. And you know what? It's like she has 27. She only has one album and one EP, but she's had 27 singles out. And she and the people that go to her shows know all 27 of those songs. And she's probably got like 35 songs and they don't have the new song out there, but they do show them filming the video for the new song because there's a whole thing about she doesn't like it when someone interferes with her process and so she says i want to direct my own videos and then by the end of the movie she is yeah and then she has a whole background in dance too which i didn't realize so which is really interesting because on stage all she does is jump up and down yeah well yeah. because she hurt herself she was going to be a professional ballet dancer and she I, it, her- looks, it looks like modern dance more well, she threw, she she injured herself, and now she can't do that anymore. I know, so that's interesting. But it's a long documentary. It is. Uh, I've uh, had. A, I went to bed at uh, hour and forty minutes, and it had forty more minutes to go. Well, it's it's two hours and twenty minutes, but a lot of it is because they do full songs. They do full songs, and there's an intermission exactly halfway through. So. If you want to watch it in two parts, just make it to the intermission. Watch the second half. I found it very entertaining because I didn't know much about her than her hits uh, right. and the Grammys and uh, her songs are earworms. Well, I, I, I did notice something. I was I watched part of it with my teenage daughter and I looked at her set list and she was opening up with bad guy early in this early in one of the tours. I'm like, well, I bet she doesn't open with that anymore. I bet she <laughs> now. Yes. Well, that's like in, in 1991, I want to say, I saw Metallica on the beginning of their tour and the end of their tour for the Black Album. And at the beginning of the tour, they were opening up with Enter Sandman. By the end of the tour, they were closing with it. So I understand how these things go. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. but if you're, if you're not a Billie Eilish fan and you're curious, watch this. If you're a Billie Eilish fan, you've already seen it. <laughs> right. They, these young folk, no, they live out loud. 
they do everything is is you know unfiltered documented um yeah so oh, oh, this, I, was, this was this is also out on imax and i can see the billy eilish fans seeing this on imax and going back to tom and jerry i want to say that if this movie was like in real theaters and like real theaters were yeah, i is. know it is but i would say it would have been in 3d because uh -huh. there's a lot of a lot of like right to the camera stuff about Tom and Jerry. And I'm sure the Billie Eilish, you find out why she wears the bulky clothes and her whole look is because she didn't want to be body shamed. And it's just, there's a lot of insight into the Billie Eilish world. And my, I was talking to my daughter and she said, you know, I think I would really like her, but now, uh, since I'm a teenager, she sounds like a lot of people at my school. So I don't know if I would like her, but I want to like her. But I don't know if I'm supposed to like her or if I if I'm being forced to like her. Ah. And that is such a teenage thing. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> hmm. Well, it's way better than Tiffany back in the 80s. Oh, I, you know where I saw Tiffany. I was this close to Tiffany at Galaxy's Edge last year. I she was touring and she was at Epcot's Eat to the Beat concert, and so she went to Galaxy's Edge to ride Star Wars. And so she was getting she and her crew they were getting the blue milk with alcohol in it at eight o'clock in the morning. Okay. So it was odd, but it was funny. And but I'm like. Oh my gosh, that's Tiffany. And so that was that was fun. I that's I saw Tiffany up close in person. I didn't talk to her, but I knew it was her because I knew she was performing at Epcot that day. Well, All right, Lynn, what else? What else came out? We, well, I did not I see Crisis, but I want to, but my uh reviewer Alex McPherson for poplifestl.com, he did and he liked it because he thinks it's an important story to tell. Army Hammer is a distraction. Well, yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> But Gary Oldman and Evangeline Lilly. And I think it's an important story to tell. Well, she can, be, she can be a distraction as well. Yeah. So I am, I'm digging into that this weekend and the independence and other things oh, I have. What got. about Silk Road? Okay. So I saw Silk Road and this is uh, an interesting tale. Alex Winter did a documentary about Dread Pirate Roberts and oh. not the character on Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Okay. This is the true story of Ross Ulbricht, who started the Silk Road website where drugs were sold anonymously. It gave rise to Bitcoin. And uh, the feds were on him and he's very arrogant guy. He is played in this movie, however, by Nick Robinson of Love, Simon and okay. other teen movies. And I think they did that on purpose because he's a sweet guy. And this Russ Ulbricht is not. Alexandra Sharp plays his girlfriend. Uh, it's um, got, it's a terrible movie, by the way. 
It's a, well, and isn't Jason Clark in it too? Okay, Jason Clark plays this DEA agent who gets corrupted by the lifestyle. And he is, the movie does uh, mention real names, but oh. this guy is a composite. And it's very documented that this guy did go to jail too. And Jimmy Simpson is uh, the hotshot uh, DEA leader. Who I like Jimmy Simpson. I, do. I, 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 I just like him. Ever since he was Lyle the intern on Letterman. Right. <laughs> and he is the ex-husband of Melanie Linsky, one of my favorite actresses. The Australian actress from Two and a Half Men and lots of things. I know. I just love her. Anyway, I was hoping that they would make it. But he, he was in Westworld, by the way. He got uh, and, a lot of acclaim yeah, by that. She was in Heavenly Creatures with Peter Jackson. I'm wrong about Alexander. I said sharp. It's ship. She's the one that's okay. in X-Men. She's Storm. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. So, oh in, 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 the, uh, in the reboot. Okay. So this is based on the magazine article in Rolling Stone called Dead End on Silk Road, Internet Crime King Russ Albrecht's Big Fall. So this guy sets this up and money is coming in and he's selling ecstasy and Coke and all these drugs. And uh, he gets hooked up with a guy who is Paul Walter Hauser in Arizona as one of his trusted guys. Who He's then from Itania. Yeah. And uh, the 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 the, oh. the five bloods. But also the the movie Black about the uh, Atlanta Olympic Richard Jewell. He was Richard yeah. Jewell. Yeah, Clint Eastwood's Richard Jewell. Yes. Okay. So the dark web, and I did say so. Alex Winter, when he was at the St. Louis International Film Festival in 2016, he premiered his documentary on this, which is way, 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 way better. But this <laughs> is okay. So what they do is. They Jason Clark plays this awful man who is he's just been in rehab. He's just been in a mental facility. OK, and they allude to his breakdown in Puerto Rico. I don't know what that is. And he is assigned to the DEA and they consider him a dinosaur and out of touch. So they don't pay attention to him. And he uses his old school skills at investigation to get involved with this uh, dark web jazz. But then he goes to the dark side and starts taking money too. So Ooh. it's very complicated. It's very complex. But this Russ Ulbricht, uh, he got sentenced to two life sentences plus more years. And he was there. He could have taken a plea deal. And this isn't in the movie, but he could have taken a plea deal and gotten 10 years. But he decided, no, he was going to fight it. And then he is so screwed because he has been denied by the Supreme Court. So he is in jail for a very long time for uh, lots of uh, it's for money laundering and conspiracies. And so uh, wait a minute, we're going to we're starting with. A guy who had a real life story where he was in jail and we're ending with a guy who had a real life story and is in jail. Yeah. 
So it all bookends with Billie oh. Eilish and Billie Holiday in the middle. And Tom and Jerry. And, uh, and the, on a, and the yeah. independence. Well, this, uh, oh, first of all, I got the, I got to correct myself. The name of Alex Winter's 19, uh, 2015 documentary is The Deep Web, not The Dark Web. The Deep Ooh, Web. And, what's the difference? Well, he goes more in, involved in all this. Thing. Oh, another thing that this Ross Ulbricht did was he had all these murder for hire schemes that they never did wind up murdering the people. But he put hits out on all these people that were initially his friends and helping him. He is considered the first millennial gangster. Cool. <laughs> so, but no, they're both awful people. So here's another movie about awful people. And uh, it is uh, it's on. Um, well, the if you want to watch the Alex Winter documentary, it was on Epic, so I don't know if it still is. But this movie is a video on demand, Silk Road, and it's just really a big waste of time. As far as I'm, you know what, Carl, I'm just getting a little crabby because we have we're getting very demanding and disturbing. I think by being at home for a whole year watching this stuff, do not waste my time. If you okay don't have characters that if you have characters that lack context and we got to think for ourselves about you know we got to fill in the blank for all these characters no no you should do your work beforehand and then what i've noticed too in a lot of films lately like this billy holiday one everything but the kitchen sink is in it streamline pare it down focus 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 i have noticed this so much we're just we're having all this there, there's a lot they got a lot to say they put on too much in one thing just you know we need editors we need script editors a lot more than what we're getting but i will say this we have two bright lights coming up uh in on video on demand right now minari as of yay Friday. Yes, people can see it on any video platform like Google Play or Amazon Prime or whatever. You have to pay for it, but you get to see one of the best movies of the year and it'll warm your heart. And then one of our favorite movies of the year, Promising Young Woman, comes out on Tuesday. Good. So how about that? And then I'm happy uh, about those things. And then there's a new WandaVision. Did you watch last night? I did. Um, I will say that there is one very important uh, thing about WandaVision, but it also could, of all the episodes, this one has the most filler. It's also the longest episode, but this is a, this is a placeholder till next week's uh, season finale. And it might be series finale because they haven't announced that there's going to be a season two, but they, uh, I, I don't think it will be because it's going to be leading into the new Doctor Strange movie. And it's also going to have things with the new uh, Spider-Man movie, No Way Home, which we've uh, now, the I've mentioned the correct title. Also, um, uh, next week is the final. And so, you you can watch all nine weeks starting next Friday if you have not uh, watched any of them. I've been telling people and they look at me like I'm. I said, "Oh no, it's really good." Even if you don't know the 
Avengers. I said, it's very good. And, and I tell people right. uh, that grew up with those sitcoms that they are uh, kind of emulating, which is a really fun thing. Tonight on Saturday Night Live, it's Nick Jonas. He is the musical guest and the host. He is resuming his uh, judging on The Voice, but you should not call them judges. You should call them coaches. I Mentor. found that out from a local boy named Tyler Course. He grew up in Trenton and he lives in Nashville now. And he has tried out for reality singing shows for years and years and years. He uh, is a he was a Korean adopted child by uh, his parents Gary Kors and Sherry and his mother Sherry Jenkins and uh, this year he decided he wasn't going to try out and he got called by the voice to audition when they saw him on YouTube he is a country singer and in and he tried out for Idol and and people told him that there's no lane for Asians in country music and so now he his audition should be on either this week or next week the blind auditions the voice returns on Monday and Tuesday on NBC and then next week he I've interviewed him he can't really say much he can't even tell me the title of the song he sings because <laughs> but he did say it's never before been sung on reality TV, but he has a lot of interesting insights into uh, reality TV and the voice. And he uh, said in Nashville, there's a whole group of them who all tried out for the voice and are connected to the voice in some way. And so they've all, he's been coached by all these people and he's got a lot of fascinating insights. So we're going to have him on sometime on the podcast, but there's just right now a limit to what he can is allowed to say. Cause you know, they sign contracts and they can get in big. Right. Trouble. He can't, he can't say if they turned around, how many turned around and if they did turn around who he picked. So he can't say anything. No, he can't. So I don't want to blow it for him either with uh, all the information that I have that. Uh, and then he was very honest with me because I've interviewed reality TV people before. You probably have too, Carl. They really got to hold the line on what they can right. say. So I will be interviewing. I mean, I will be having a story about him too, but it's just going to be, we got, we got to watch and see if he's going to, if he's going to get the chair turn, you know? So right. I'm very happy for him because he's worked really, really, really hard uh, to, to, you know, just keep following his dream. And you got to applaud people that do that. Um, have you seen the Allen versus Pharaoh documentary? Nope. Series. Not interested. It's very sad. Very sad. I, I know. I, knew, I thought I knew a lot. I don't want to see uh, that seven-year-old girl be put through that and there are defenders of both sides of this uh there are woody defenders still and there are uh there are fans of both sides mia farrow fans and woody allen fans and i'm just i i uh i don't know it's very it's sad that, it's very sad and it's very sordid and it's uh it's done. It's out immediately afterwards. Uh, Woody Allen and Sunni, uh, his wife, put a statement out. So 
I don't know. We could we could talk forever about artists and art and all that and and the cancel culture. Um, okay, so to, uh, was speaking of um, controversies, the Golden Globes are Sunday night, and I always tune in, even though I know these people have questionable ethics and questionable yeah. credentials. I've always thought that, but it's a party and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are hosting and it's the first kickoff to the award season. And this year's all over the map. And I like that they combine TV and film. So I don't know what's going to happen, but they didn't nominate Bridgerton and they nominated Emily in Paris, which I don't understand that, but thing is that the LA Times broke this story last week about these people and their practices and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association how they don't even have a single black member and they haven't had a, a, any black members for 20 years now they do have people of color but they don't have any black people no, so Sterling K. Brown and Ava DuVernay and other uh, black artists in Hollywood have a hashtag Times Up Globes, and they are facing a lot of criticism this week. They put out a statement yesterday and they said they are going to do better about attracting uh, black writers around the world. So I don't know if they're going to be successful, but tomorrow, uh, Sunday nights, award show should be interesting it is virtual so you're not going to have all those tables of people drinking they're drinking at home yeah so other than that in local arts i've got to mention this st louis theater circle of which i am a member we have announced that we are not having awards this year at all right because there weren't any plays well we did see we did see at least 15 plays last year before the pandemic hit. Cause we did have January and February. There was two trains running by the black rep, uh, Annapurna starring Lori Mack and, uh, uh, I just forgot John Pearson at the St. Louis actor studio. That was incredible. Uh, we, we saw the bands visit Carl. Yes, we did Fox, about a year although- ago. We don't we don't judge uh, touring shows. We don't award them. Right. But uh, they had we had a lot of really good. There was the Thanksgiving play at the Rep Studio, which was about being politically correct at, at Thanksgiving in a grade school, which was really funny. <laughs> and so there were so many good. Oh, Debbie Lennon had a great show. Uh, at uh, for Max and Louis. So there was a lot of really good performances, but there's only 15 shows and it's not worth it. It's not, it's, uh, we're going to fold them into next year. And I hope okay. by this summer, we will be seeing live theater. And I hope we are back at the Muni at some point and uh, we'll go from there. And then because of that, uh, um, Arts for Life, of which I'm a board member, we are not giving out our best performance awards for musical theater because, as you know, musical theater is the absolute worst right now for COVID because of all the spitting and the singing and all that. And then, uh, so we're having a virtual trivia night on March 12th, the same night as Keep Live Alive St. Louis. And uh, we are going to announce the Theater Mask Awards because they did do shows last year they're the straight plays they're the comedies and the dramas 
and I wrote all theater questions for this. So if you want to play Good. virtual trivia by Zoom, go to the artsforlife.org website and sign up. And uh, what else do you have, Carl, to announce? Anything? I have nothing to announce. I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of things at Enterprise Center. I've got the uh, Missouri Valley Conference, St. Louis Blues game, and the uh, NCAA wrestling finals will be here. So I will be, anytime you don't hear me on the radio, it's because I'm over at Enterprise Center. Oh, wow. Well, you know, um, I am preempted this Thursday night on KTRS because of the Missouri Valley Conference. My and You'll hear my music coming out of the radio because the bands are not coming in due to the oh. pandemic. So I will be playing all music at the basketball games. Oh, well, my alma mater is in it, Illinois State. We have fallen on hard times in the last couple of years, but we used to be really good in basketball. But Thursday night, what I'm doing is I am attending the virtual Todd Rundgren concert. I got my ticket. I'm so excited. You know, Todd is ahead of his time always. Yeah, and, well, you know, John Hewlett and I interviewed uh, Todd Rundgren several years ago and Johnny raced the interview. It was an amazing, amazing interview, like 35 minutes and then Johnny raced it. But I asked him amazing questions like, why don't you play hits anymore? And he's like, I feel I play what I want to play. And I said, well, you play hits when you're with Ringo Starr. And he said, well, that's because I'm with Ringo Starr and he makes me do and I will do anything Ringo asks me to do. So Lynn, I hope you get some hits because I bet you won't. No, 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 it is. Um, I've seen Todd's interviews about this tour. It is, uh, it's called the Clearly Human Tour. And it mm -hmm. is playing Nearly Human, which has the one of a nail, one of his great songs and parallel. That is a great song. Yeah. Uh, the Clearly Human, it's a hand with six fingers on it. Right. And uh, so that uh, Warner Brothers has re-released Nearly Human. So... Okay. That's what the whole focus of the show is clearly human, but it did say he will be playing some of his classic hits and my all time favorite, my all time favorite album of his is something, anything like most people, cause it was in my college years. And so hello, it's me. And, um, is one of my, and I saw the light and it wouldn't have made any difference. And so hopefully at least some of them, you know, he probably could just stay in Hawaii off the residuals from bang the drum all day. Maybe, but he chooses to do this. And so he's, he's holed up in Chicago and they're doing these concerts from a venue in Chicago, but for each city that he is going to, like Buffalo, New York, Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, they're taking local cuisine and they're taking like local newspaper stuff and they're trying to gear it towards St. Louis. He does have a really good following in St. Louis, I would think. I saw, yeah, him, at, I saw him at the pageant in 2003 when after that album he did with a twist. So he had a little bit more, he did play his, you know, he, he did play his hits, but he had a little twist to him, you know, making him up. But for, for as far as the virtual concert goes, you could, I didn't get the extras, but you could do a meet and greet with him. You could pay extra to put your 
screenshot on the wall while you're watching the concert. Nobody wants to watch me watching Todd Rundgren concert, you know? (laughs) And so anyway, so that's what I'm doing Thursday, March 4th. And if you are interested in joining me, uh, nocapshows.com is where you get the tickets. And then he's been all over uh, the internet with these interviews now. So where Todd goes, I follow. All right. Well, I told you where you can find me. You can find me on the interwebs at underscore Carl the Intern on Twitter and Instagram. Where can we find you, Lynn? I'm in KTRS every Thursday night, except this week I'll be on Wednesday night. And then uh, we've got Coming to America and Raya and the Dragon. We're going to watch. I'm going to watch Raya and the Dragon this weekend. And uh, I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times. We have uh, this every week with you, Carl, and I'm so happy that we get to do this. And uh, I have my own website, real um, what is it? Pop Life STL. <laughs> yes. And, and I want to right, and I'm on all the socials. I'm not really good at Instagram yet, but I'm I'm trying. And then uh, everybody, I want to tell y'all get your Fauci ouchie if you can. Stay safe and shop local, support local, and we will see you next week. With we might have a really cool surprise guest, won't we, Carl? Possibly. Yeah. So you have a good weekend. Everybody stay safe. Bye. Talk to you then. Bye.